All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you, as always, by the 2023 Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X is Toyota's brand new all-electric SUV that is designed to go the distance for you and your family. The BZ4X is packed with Toyota's coolest tech, but it still has that trusty SUV feel you know and love. And even though it's electric, it's capable of effortlessly conquering any terrain. Whether it's rain, snow, mud, or your friend's questionable post-game recaps, or three straight losses, the BZ4X will get you through. And of course, we are coming to you from the iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. Looking for your next meeting space? Contact the Wall Center for all your event needs at sales at wallcenter.com. My name is Zig Vigrelli. That is Harmon Dial. Our technical producer is Grady Sass. And as I said, this is Canucks Conversation. It's the first time we're coming to you this season uh, to talk about a third straight loss for the Vancouver Canucks. We know this is the first one they've had this season. And, of course, I come up with everything off the cuff. I'm curious how many three-game losing streaks. Someone in the chat. Someone in the chat. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do something for you. If you come to the watch party, I'll get you a shot or something. I'll do something. If someone can figure out how many three-game losing streaks the Canucks had last season, I would like to know the answer to that. I don't actually want to be reminded of that. I'm going to <laughs> guess it's seven. Seven. I'm going to guess they had seven three-game losing streaks last year. Someone find it. Someone figure it out in the chat. I know you're all at work watching this show. Just pull open another tab on the browser. Find it. I wonder. I wonder how many it is. I'll say five just because I wonder if there were stretches where it's like you lose six of eight, but maybe it's not three consecutively. Mm. So a stretch like that may not count, even though it's a bad stretch of hockey. I'd like to know three game losing streak specifically. I'm curious. Oh, seven. Marcus Toast really? says it's seven. He said it's seven. And then he Dang said on. sat sat it on Canuck Central. Awesome. I, I just pulled that. See, that's the vibes. I just pull stuff out of my rear and it's usually right. 
That's how I roll, Harm. Except for uh, last night's uh, Esther's prediction, right. right? Although you nailed it on the four wins light the lamp contest. You picked JT Miller. Sure enough, JT Miller opens the scoring. Let's break down that game. Uh, that turned out to be a 3-1 loss at the hands of the Colorado Avalanche for the Vancouver Canucks. As we said, their first three-game losing streak on the season. Harm, we have a lot to get to. Uh, there's Arshdeep Baines. There's Philip Peronik's decision. There's the power play. But I think where we should start is with the power play because I think that's ultimately what lost the game. And as we'll get to in Under the Hood, brought to you by Mr. Lube later in the show, the power play has lost them a lot of games recently. Yeah, I think we're at the point where when we look at that game as a whole, especially considering it was the second leg of a back-to-back, considering Colorado's immaculate record at home, they're 22-5 and on the season. Uh, I thought the Canucks put in a hell of an effort, and it's really, when we discuss big-picture takeaways, it's really the power play in terms of, okay, that's got to get right for them to have any shot at having a deep playoff run because outside of the power play, I didn't really have a problem at all with the Canucks showing. And even though they've lost three straight, I'm not worried about their form. I'm not hitting the panic button at all, but the man advantage has to go right. And so many times, so many times in the playoffs, we see situations where a classic example is remember when in 2021 Vegas and Montreal met in, um, in the, in the weird 56 game season in the playoffs uh, Vegas was heavy favorites. They were this five-on-five juggernaut. That's People right. were writing off Montreal. Yes. And the Canadians had just beat the Leafs. They were yeah. just the scrappy underdog team. Baby. No one really thought that they were going to win, but the Canadians took the Vegas Golden Knights down because the Canadians' PK was elite. They scored a couple of shorthanded goals, and Vegas just couldn't buy a goal in the power play. Yeah, that's so right. You, so that's you don't want to end up in that type of situation, right, where you're this really good five and five team, but your special teams just can't come through. You need special teams to ride um, you through, especially because in some of these playoff games, you're going to end up in situations where at five on five, there may not be a lot of scoring chances for both sides. going to be a lot of close hockey games. You get that one power play. You got to convert on it. So um, it has to be sorted out. I mean, they've got the talent to where they should be able to make it work. Right. Like you've got JT Miller, who I think is one of the best power play playmakers of the last few years. The point totals definitely show that uh, you have Elias Pedersen is dual threat. Brock Besser uh, is a handy finisher in and around the net. Uh, Elias Lindholm has long been part of first unit power plays. Quinn Hughes is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Like they have enough talent. They do. It's just somehow figuring um, out a way to make it click. And we spoke about this a little on yesterday's show there isn't just one quick fix or, or one main reason that um, the power play is misfiring. I mean, we can point to a few adjustments that you perhaps want to see, for instance, shifting Miller back to his, uh, his left flank where he's been so successful as a playmaker. I think they're overthinking that a little bit. We saw him a little bit on the right flank where he doesn't have a lot of experience. Uh, Quinn Hughes shooting more. We talked about that a little bit and funny enough, he hit the uh, crossbar. Oh. Needed um, that, right? Needed that start. one, and, and that's part of it, too, is even when they're getting chances, they're not getting bounces, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you'll you'll be a power play group. You're not even looking the most dangerous, but when you've got momentum on your side, you just get bounces, you get tips, you get rebounds that go in your favor. The Canucks haven't really had that either. Um, they seem a little more stagnant than usual. Yep. Uh, the power play entries haven't been very crisp. 
there's not an easy diagnosis or fix, but they have enough talent both on the ice and with the coaching staff, given Tockett's experience with Pittsburgh's power play during their um, cup runs that they should be able to figure, figure it out. I want to talk about Elias Pettersson because I talked to you briefly before the show about this in the context of our conversation yesterday, where I said, look, this is a game against the top team. Elias Pettersson needs to show up. Didn't get any points. I thought he showed up. This is what I was trying to express yesterday was that even if you don't put up points, there needs to be a baseline. If you're a star player, there needs to be a baseline of your effort. You need to be able to keep your team in games. I thought Elias Pettersson was fantastic yesterday. Four shots on goal for him. Didn't get a point. But as you and I talked about, Elias Lindholm should have finished that chance he had. So now we're back to the conversation of, well, Elias Pettersson needs new wingers. No, no, I mean, obviously we're not. not there yet. But yeah, I mean, Lindholm had a wide open net there wasn't able to get solid contact. And then even on the next rebound, and I know it wasn't the such easiest. a strong shift for that line on that one. Yeah. And I know it wasn't the easiest chance to convert, but Hoaglander didn't get a full piece of his rebound attempt either. Uh, otherwise, I mean, Georgiev was scrambling there. That would have been uh, an opportunity to roof it as well. But yeah, I thought Pedersen down low created a lot of offense. Yeah. Uh, they stacked some heavy shifts where it, it felt like they were building momentum and they just couldn't get breaks. And I think that's the story of uh, even just the third period as a whole where they had the push and um, I can't believe Philip Peronik was loading up for a so, clapper. Grady, can we pull up the photo here? There was this sequence that the Pedersen line created as well. And look, the Pedersen line as a whole was great. I thought Niels Huglander was awesome last night. I thought he had a really strong game. And of course, I was joking about Elias Lindholm not bearing the chance. The stick's tied up. It, 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 you know, It's an open net, but he's still yeah. being checked by an NHL defenseman. So it's not like he missed a tap in or anything like that. Um, can we get this picture here, Grady, of Philip Peronik having the decision one before this, one before this, because this is what he ended up doing. But so you see here and for the podcast listeners, I know you know what I'm talking about. But for those in the YouTube live chat, you see here, Philip Peronik gets the puck. He's got a decision to make. Georgiev's on his rear. He's sitting on his wallet. All of the Avalanche players are either behind the goal line or making the adjustment that Heronik's there. He's got open net. He's got Arturi Lekkinen trying to get in position in front of him. What does Heronik do? Wind up for a slap shot. Don't know about the decision-making on that one. Rumored that Canucks practice today is consisting only of Philip Ronick practicing slap shots, or excuse me, snapshots from the uh, from the circle. Because, man, you've got to get that on net as fast as possible. You Velocity doesn't matter in that no, situation. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're like, I, 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 the, the first thought I had was, okay, maybe he was hoping that those guys all read the tweet, the incorrect speed that he can shoot a puck 108.2. <laughs> And that with him winding up, Those they would clear. jump out of the way. They'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to get hit by that. But no, they didn't get out of the way. Grady, you can pull up the next photo. Yeah, there it is. He winds up. And by then, everyone except for Georgiev now has time to get ready. Man, look at the ref's positioning there. Like, look at look at the referees on this play in this photo. <laughs> like, the ref's, like, in, in a danger zone. Right yeah. there. That's, man, I would not be standing there if I were a referee, which is why I'm not a referee. But yeah. Philip Aronik winds up for the slap shot. Obviously, he doesn't convert. That would have made it 2-2. Um, yeah, I not mean, great. Even Johansson's goal was a harmless point shot that got a weird bounce, exactly. right? It was just one, one of those nights where the bounces didn't go in uh, Vancouver's favor. And again, considering it was the second leg of a back-to-back in Colorado where the Avs just don't lose, I thought they put... Um, they put a great fight. And that's honestly what I was looking for more than the result is a sign of big picture. What does this mean is just show up, give it, give them a good fight. And I know at some point did. moral victories aren't going to cut it. Oh, for we sure. know that. Yep. But 
you've had enough be... real victories this year that I think you can take a moral victory after this. Fight. Yeah, and you, and you have more opportunities down the line in situations where you're going to be at home, where you're going to have a more favorable rest situation. Yep. Um, then, uh, then your opponent. So that'll that'll those will be tests down the road. Um, it's not going to be easy. This schedule is continuing to is going to continue to be very challenging. Um, but I think they've earned a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. One other thing I noticed about Colorado's power play a little a little bit was they seem to on a couple of occasions Rantanen would go behind the net and they were able to use his playmaking and he'd set up a couple, like one or two chances. That's an area of the Canucks power play where they don't their net front player isn't a playmaking option anymore. Hmm. Do you remember in years past where whether it be Tyler Toffoli or even Brock Besser, uh, back when you obviously had Bo Horvat, so many plays where JT Miller would be on the left flank, down low to the right shot net front guy, and then it's like a tic-tac back to the bumper yeah. with Horvat, and it'd be a one-timer look. And right now it feels like they're not at all taking advantage of net front playmaking in and around the goal line. I would have to go back and watch those those power plays compared to this one, but what I immediately think about is just when I'm watching games, I feel like I've noticed that that play is being taken away a lot from the Canucks. Like, I feel like opposing penalty kills are taking that away from them. Like, but I also don't think they work the puck down low very often. I think I agree play. with you. They, they're agree usually you. just in that triangle where it's like flank players and Hughes are working the puck in those areas. Because the other thing to consider is that when you get the puck down low to Brock, it doesn't always have to go. <clears throat> doesn't always have to go right to the bumper. Like it doesn't have to be a tic tac toe play. Yeah. There's other options when you move the puck down there. I I do think they've opposing penalty kills have taken away that play. Like one if if Brock gets the puck behind the net, it feels like he doesn't really have the um have the option of putting it back out in front. But moving it down to him is something that this power play should at least consider because even if you don't have that play, like that's the thing. That's the simplest way to explain a power play penalty kill is when one thing is being taken away, it means something else is being created. You have yeah. more guys on the ice. You just need to find out what that solution is. And that's something that the Canucks power play has been so good at for so long that it's just weird that they're having so much trouble right now. Uh, Colorado kind of came at them pretty aggressively on the penalty kill. And I think that was something they also struggled with. Uh, you know, as much as we talk about, yeah, the flanks are covered. The flanks were covered, but everyone was covered because of how quickly they were activating the Colorado penalty killers. They were just getting on them so fast. And I think if I'm a, an opposing penalty kill, I've probably realized at this point that the more pressure I apply up top towards Hughes and, um, and those, you know, flank players when they are sort of higher in the zone, uh, the more it just forces quick decisions. Whereas when penalty kills set back, it feels like, you're just giving them too much time and space to find those passing seams, find those pa shooting lanes as well. Uh, I even remember going all the way back to the bubble playoffs. Do you remember how against Minnesota and St. Louis, Vancouver's power play was unreal. And then they went into that Vegas series and Vegas started pressuring the top. Yep. They, pre they, they tried to really rush Hughes as much as possible. And that's what started to slow Vancouver's power play down. And then even going into the game seven where they got the five minute major after Ryan Reeves hit Tyler Mott, that's when you're like, okay, they, they, they've, this penalty kill has adjusted and found like a weakness. And, and that's really what special teams are all about. It's a constant cat and mouse game. And, um, and the Canucks just have to find ways to uh, adjust now.
Uh, we should also tell you that this segment is brought to you by our friends over at Four Winds Brewing, locally owned and operated in Delta. Home to the Four Winds Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy-drinking beer. A beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. You see some right behind me right now. Ask for Four Winds Light Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.com. CA. We're going to be joined in a matter of moments by Frank Saravalli, but I wanted to continue this conversation about the game because Archdeep Baines made his debut. I was very impressed with him. Uh, he got the shot on the third line, which I know you and I talked about a lot on yesterday's show. We didn't think he'd get there, but he was there. He deserves another look in that spot because it doesn't look like Dakota Josh was coming back anytime really soon. He deserves another look in that spot. Absolutely. It looked better than it did with uh, Mikheyev. Uh, Baines in the first period had a sharp angle scoring chance that I, I thought he might actually bury in that spot. Uh, he set up Teddy Bluger twice with a couple of gorgeous passes uh, down low. And, that, and again, that's those were the textbook examples of why I wanted to see that potential fit because the Canucks as a whole, but especially that third line, they love to create chances on the cycle. And Bluger's a guy that loves to drive the slot. So if you have players that can make those quick reads, make those slip passes, like Baines has the skill and hockey sense to be able to do, uh, well, that's been the bread and butter for that third line. It's something that Micaiah, for example, doesn't have um, the offensive skill to be able to do. And and so you you have three scoring chances there that Baines either took himself or directly set up, which for a third line is, is pretty solid. And I think his usage also reflects um, how the coaching staff had some semblance of trust in him. He played 13-21, which is way more than Nils Amon, Ilya Mikheyev, and uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, which is especially notable because Colorado had last change. They controlled the matchups, and yet Rick Tocca didn't feel like he had to particularly shelter Baines. And Baines played the most of his minutes against Kill McCarr, and then you just go down the next next players on that list are Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Jonathan Duran, and Devontae. He played all of, most of his minutes were played against Colorado's basically top unit. Like their their best players was who Baines was playing up against. And that was uh, pretty crazy to see. Uh, we'll continue talking about Baines and other topics on the other side. Actually, I'm sure Frank has a lot of Baines takes. Uh, we'll get to Frank Cervelli, who is brought to you by the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool game. I didn't see an Archdeep Baines prop, but I would have taken it last night. Shots on goal, goals against average, and points per game can make or break your week, but don't overlook BPMM, Wendy's Bacon Portobello Mushroom Melt. Sure, it may not help you win weekly prizes with Wendy's and Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool Fantasy, but unlike my predictions, it never disappoints. So try your luck, but don't push it because the Bacon Portobello Mushroom Melt is only back for a limited time. If you miss it, you won't get a second chance. Sign up for Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool Fantasy today, sponsored by Wendy's, and the Wendy's app. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, Frank Saravalli. Frank, uh, do you have any thoughts on Archdeep Baines? Oh, honestly, like in all seriousness, obviously I joke about Noah Juleson getting national attention. And obviously Archdeep Baines probably isn't getting a ton of national attention, but you know, you, everybody knows this story at this point. Just your thoughts on Archdeep Baines, a guy who didn't get drafted in the WHL draft, all this sort of stuff, not drafted in the NHL draft, you know, eventually making the NHL here. Well, it's a great story, and I would say it actually got way more national attention than Noah Juleson, and probably deservedly so. Um, I love every facet of it. You mentioned his unique path. Um, I love the fact that his dad was able to be in Denver last night um, to get there to see it and witness it. And I love the sort of reverence that he has for 
you know, not just where he's been, but also just to even get an opportunity and get one game. He's played so well in the AHL that I think he's been deserving of the opportunity, but to finally get it and seize upon it is something totally different. And so um, certainly a lot of dreams realized last night in Colorado. Frank, how much harder do games for the Canucks get in the second half when teams have a target on Vancouver's back and know that they're a legit threat. Whereas maybe in the first half, nobody really had high expectations for this team. And maybe that even affects teams level of preparation, their mentality going into it. How much does having a target on your back sort of change the difficulty of these games down the stretch? Well, I think just as a whole harm, the whole NHL ratchets up and, winning games in October is not the same as winning games in February and March. It just isn't. And I think a lot of teams are realizing that, but I do think that there's a certain part of teams looking at the standings now and saying, Hey, for a long time, this Canucks team has been right at the very top of the league. Let's see if we can knock them down a peg. Let's see how we stack up against one of the best teams in the league. And so that's part of it. I also think there's been, um, Part of maybe what we're seeing, and it's tough to put your finger on it because a lot of these games have also been so different, is that exactly what Rick Tockett and his team was trying to guard against coming out of the All-Star break, which is, yeah, we've added some pieces here. And yes, this Lindholm trade is a big deal, but we can't take a step back and take our foot off the gas just because our lineup has been strengthened. If anything, we need to continue to put the pedal to the floor and, and grind away. And I think when you look at this team's record and you see that it's basically 500 since the, the Lindholm trade, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's four, four and two. Does that sound right? Yep. That I, I think there's a certain part of that. That's just human nature that sets in. Frank, are the Canucks going to make another trade? We keep seeing Chris Tanev's name out there. I know I ask you this every single week. Has anything changed on Chris Tanev or anything with the Canucks and their trading wishes? No, I, I don't think anything's changed with the Tanev situation, specifically in Calgary. I think the the Canucks are still kind of um, sniffing around, I guess is what you'd call it, on the periphery to um, – understand the price and make sure that they remain in the mix. I think they're evaluating a bunch of different options. And I'll say this, I'd be surprised if we get through 3 PM Eastern on March 8th and the Canucks haven't made another trade. First off it's in their MO. They've been the most aggressive trading team for the last calendar year. And second, I think they've still got more to fix more to fill. I still think they need a depth defenseman. I'm not entirely convinced that they need someone of Tanev's caliber, although it certainly is not going to hurt. And I think they realize that they have a great opportunity here um, to really make noise in the playoffs with the foundational pillars that they have on this team. And that no one says you need, this is one of the big kind of, things that the Canucks are going to bump up against. I think when it comes to the playoffs in April is this idea that you can't go on and win because you haven't had playoff success before. A lot of people will say, well, it takes, you know, many years of, of losing, of learning how to win in order to get there. Like, I don't know that that's absolutely fact. I mean, history would indicate that most teams before breaking through at least have one, you know, sort of get your feet wet and get a taste of how this works. But 
I think there's been plenty of teams too that have shown in the last decade plus 15 years that more is available right to them when their window is just starting to open than many would realize. And I'll give you an example of the Edmonton Oilers in, I'm, I get my years mixed up, but I'm pretty sure it's 2017 when they took the ducks to game seven in the second round, like you're one win away from the conference final. And then who knows what happens? So I think that's a team that had no playoff success really to speak of that. Why can't it be the Canucks? Why can't it be this year? They're right there with all the other contending teams in the West. It's a series of four rounds of seven games of coin flips. A lot of playoff success and experience on the coaching staff as well. Yeah. Why why can't you be the team? I love it. Shifting away from the Canucks a little bit. I saw that Pittsburgh lost uh, again last night. Feels like they're just rapidly slipping out of the race. What do you do if you're Kyle Dubas? What, what do you think they're thinking of? Because you've still got Sidney Crosby playing at this level, yet this doesn't look like a playoff caliber team. Harm, it's really easy for me, and I guess easy also for me to say because I'm not in Kyle Dubas's shoes, and I don't know what his mandates are from ownership, although I'd imagine that they're pretty committed to this core given the resources that they de- have deployed to this team, including already trading their first-round pick this year for Eric Carlson, who... Uh, again, not patting myself on the back, but I said it at the time the trade was made. This isn't the guy that they needed. That's not what was separating the the Penguins from uh, being in the playoffs last year. So for me, it's cut and dry. I think you have to move Jake Gensel. I think you have to explore moving Riley Smith. I think you have to try and do whatever you can to turn over this team and make them younger. Kyle Dubas acknowledged today that they do need to be younger Um, he did say that he's going to use the next two weeks to try and determine a course for this team, but nine points out, how much closer are they going to get between now and March 8th? If they whittle it down to five, does that make you think differently? Not for me. Like, I think I, I have a pretty good idea of what the penguins are. And even though a lot of the underlying metrics and analytics would indicate that they should have more wins and more success this year. That type of stuff doesn't work for me at at 60 games into the season. You're not we're not awarding participation trophies for good metrics. And 3 quarters of the way into the season almost like at this point your record is what what it says Can I get that out of my mouth? Your record <laughs> is what you say you are, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. Um how do you view the Calder race right now? You got Connor Bedard, got Brock Faber. There's something on daily faceoff that Brock Faber has pulled away to the front of the Calder race. Where do, where do you stand on that? That's Jason Greger's take from the DFO rundown. I know that was also shared by Colby Cohen on one of our shows this week. I don't think he's pulled away yet. And I think we need to be careful about allowing Connor Bedard some runway here to get back in the race. Like he's missed 15 games. He's got a lot of ground to make up and he needs to play well. Um, but I don't like I, as great as Faber has been 26 minutes, Tom cop top competition, uh, great point production has been a godsend for this wild team as a rookie. How much is he head and shoulders above Bedard at this point? I I'm not convinced that's the case. Um, Bedard has had very little help around him. Just having him back in the lineup for Chicago, I think has totally changed the complexion of that team. It's obviously changed the watchability of that team. And 
I'm not ready to declare anything yet, I guess is my point. I, I want to see more from both, and I want to see how much of an impact Faber does or doesn't have in this uh, Minnesota team that's squarely back in the race for the eighth seed. You mentioned Gensel there earlier. Uh, what do you think the odds are that he goes potentially to a Western Conference team, which would obviously affect the Canucks and, and their you know potential road through the West in the playoffs? Because Edmonton seems like it would be a potential fit. Or uh, I know in your um, matchmaker article, you even throughout the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche, um, it feels like Gensel potentially being on the move may not be the best news for a team like the Canucks if he ends up going out West. Yeah, but I also don't think you can spend a lot of time worrying about what other teams do. I know there's been some sort of thought process when it comes to Tanev that the Canucks should get their act together or spend the assets so that at least you keep him out of the hands of someone else in the West. When I'm looking at the East for someone like Gensel, I think you know the New York Rangers having lost um, Blake Wheeler does open up a bit of a possibility, though I think they need a third-line center more. Uh, so I'd have the Rangers on that list out East. I think you'd probably have to include Carolina uh, because they're a team that has been missing that true difference maker. And I think Gensel could be that, although they're a team that historically hasn't spent much in terms of future assets, and they definitely don't like playing the rental game. And one more team in the East that I think you'd have to consider would be Florida because they have some cap space, although they don't have the assets that I think they could be an intriguing fit. Um, but I do think that there's a whole host of teams in the West. You mentioned, uh, for my story, Colorado, which was just a fun exercise. I still think their preference is center. Um, but what about the golden Knights? I, I don't think they can spend, or I don't think they want to spend to get the super elite, uh, addition like Gensel, but they love the new shiny toy. I don't think you can rule them out. And they've been very aggressive in years past. I wonder, because we're talking about Pittsburgh, Like, is there any chance if Vegas and Pittsburgh can reconnect on a Riley Smith transaction? Pittsburgh, since there was no retained money last time around in the summer, can they reacquire Smith at half price for this year and next, two and a half million bucks? All of a sudden, you could start to see that make sense again. Like, I don't think Riley Smith because his numbers are down this year that he woke up and suddenly wasn't a good hockey player anymore. Um, my guess is that he just hasn't been a great fit in Pittsburgh and could give you a lot more when it comes to a playoff run. Frank, we're two weeks away from the initial trade deadline. Of course, you will be live on Daily Faceoff's YouTube channel. Uh, I always love the trade deadline coverage that we pump out. It's going to be good. Uh, we're going to have you as a guest this year, breaking down some Canucks I, stuff. I heard. I'm very excited for that. It's it's either we, me or Jeff Patterson. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great time. We got to get some Canucks, uh, Canucks Army conversation. We got to get all that going in our... I like I'm not kidding. I figure the Canucks will be some kind of player, whether it's in the lead up to or on deadline day specifically, and we're gonna need someone to break it down. That's my actual question for you is we have two weeks left till the deadline, which means you have one, two, you have two two hits left with us beyond this one. So three hits total, including this one. I'm gonna ask you, give me a target for the Canucks. Like who do you think the Canucks will actually target on deadline day or or in the days leading up? What a question. Like, I, I, I mean, just putting me on the absolute spot. <laughs> well, here. I'm looking at the, okay, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a few names for me. Cause I've been looking at the, uh, the daily Faceoff trade targets board that you put together over at dailyfaceoff.com. It's in the top, right. If you want to look for it, I know, you know, Frank, I'm telling the listeners, but 
I look at a guy like Adam Gordon coming out tomorrow, by the way. There you go. I look at Adam Enrique, who's on that board. Uh, third spot, I think. I look at Sean Walker, who's number six on that board. And I can't remember the other names on the board. I know Tanev's two. But, like, those are three names. And Frank Vetrano is also on that board. Those are four names that I look at. And I think a lot of Canucks fans would look at and say, okay, one of those guys, please. Do you think there's any chance the Canucks get any of those guys that I just threw out there? Any of those four? I don't know. I mean, I'm just being dead nuts honest with you. I have no idea. I think part of what the Canucks game plan here is they've spent their big, you know, they've shot their big load, so to speak. They've acquired their first target that I think really what they're going to come down to here over the next three, 16 days is going to be, how can we spend what we have left judiciously to find the best value for the return. Does that make any sense? It does make sense. It does and I think sense. whether that's player A or player B or whatever it might be, that they're going to just compare everything, line it, line the market up on a table and say, for X, what is our greatest return? And that's how I think they're going to approach it. I, love I think it, they've already they got, they found what they be- believed was their number one fit, best fit and target they went out and attacked that first at the deadline. Now it's about kind of moving around the rest of the board to say, where's our best value? I'm really curious if it's going to be a big move, depth move, what we'll see. And obviously Phil Kessel, we didn't even talk about Phil Kessel with you. I would uh, lean toward depth move, but yeah, I don't, I just think that's all the Canucks really need. I think at, at some point too, based on what I just said and all the things that I just said about uh, getting in and making noise you also don't want to go way overboard. And there's been tons of teams in recent years that have done that. Look at the Rangers a few years back. I know they ended up getting to the conference final, but I think they spent two firsts and three seconds one year just recently. And it was like, man, that was a lot to spend. And I don't know for like, what, what did you get out of it in the end? All those guys, every single person they traded for walked. Yeah, that's what I was about. I was trying to think of exactly who the names were and pull up each one because I remember uh, it was the year that they got Andrew Cop. Yes, yes, that's I right. They have Toronto that year too. Yes, Toronto. Okay, yeah. I got to pull this deadline up. It was a and so I think some of those picks too converted to firsts that were seconds. It, they spent oh. a ton on that deadline that they just. It was like okay, we went to the conference final. Is it worth it just for that? You, I mean, I guess you could make a business case, but I think there's something to be said for 10 years of sustainability or at least five to seven where you can continue to replenish. But And and that's also a nod to how the Canucks have drafted under Patrick Alvin, which I think has been pretty good so far. Justin Braun. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Yeah, this was, this was a, this was a wild deadline. Yeah, you got Andrew Cobb. Man, they gave up so much for Andrew Cobb. I forgot about that. And he walked. He signed in Detroit. Yeah. They got Tyler Mott that deadline. Then they got Tyler Mott again the next year. Yeah. Then they went after Tarasenko and Kane, and look how that worked out. Wow. the voice of God or just Grady? That was Grady. Okay. All right. Ryan Reeves for a third. Okay. Anyways. It was a lot. So I think that's a cautionary tale. Like, I think that's. Okay, so I think we all agree the Canucks did great work so far with Lindholm, and we don't know what the future holds, but still very likely trending towards him walking. Okay? Fair enough. 
the rest of it, do you really want to be the team that unloads the clip on your draft picks to then what? It's Is it unfair to say that where the Canucks are at right now, I think getting the one seed in the Pacific is still obviously very likely, but it's critical this year more than others. Absolutely. That I think you, you, you don't, you want to do as much as you can to guarantee round one success. Yeah. But it's just as likely that the Canucks lose in round two, that it is that they, that they advance fair yeah, or unfair. Uh, nope. Fair. Uh, round two is not is easy. The winner to get of Oilers, Oilers, golden Knights. I mean, would the Canucks be the favorite of round two? My answer, I, when I say favorite, I mean betting favorite. My answer is no. What if I had Phil Kessel to the team? No, I'm just kidding. But I, I'm i curious what those teams all do at the deadline. And hey, like one thing we haven't even asked you about, Jack Well, Eichel. that's what we're dealing with is an incomplete picture because Vegas Absolutely. and Edmonton haven't made their moves yet. And also Vegas with Jack Eichel going on LPIR. What's Chase that going to mean for the playoffs? Yeah, exactly. What's that going to mean for the playoffs? Like, do, do you anticipate that Vegas will just load up and then, you know, do the Tampa thing where they un- unlock everybody in the playoffs? I don't think, I, I think the league is keeping a close eye on it. So if that happens, it will be legitimate. But they, like, that's a team that has looked a little bit scarier the last few weeks as they've kind of figured themselves out a bit and gotten back on track. Yeah, absolutely. We'll and that's see, uh, with those pieces out of the lineup. What happens when they're back? Yep, exactly. And, and look, that's the article over at CanucksArmy.com right now. So I encourage people to go read it. We kind of broke down uh, the LTIR situation and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Frank, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. And we'll be looking forward to your trade board coming out tomorrow on DailyFaceOff.com. See you guys. And that was Frank Saravalli. Uh, who took the time to join us. And we always appreciate it. Uh, he's informed me that minor hockey season is over. So the team that he coaches, he coaches as a kid's team. Uh, they are no longer playing. So Frank is available to us every Wednesday. No more pre-recordings, no more accidental uh, incorrect ad reads. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Anyways, uh, yeah, thanks to Frank for joining us there. I got to tell you about another one of our sponsors, and that is HSBC World Rugby Sevens Western Canada's largest sporting event this year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens series. From February 23rd to 25th, BC Place is going to be the place to be. So grab your best costume and your best friends and head on down to BC Place. Tickets are on sale now at vansevens.com starting from just $40 per day. And if you want to go, we've got a four pack of tickets for the entire weekend to give away. Text hashtag sevens, that's S E V E N S to 778. 708- 402 for your chance to win. We will be giving away a four pack each week until the event. Text hashtag sevens to 778-402-9680. And folks, the event is this weekend. So this is our last time giving away tickets. So make sure you enter uh, sevens to 778-402-9680. Uh, Canucks made some roster moves. Can we pull this up, Grady? Um, they are, they've recalled Jet Wu. They have placed Carson Soucy on LTIR and they have placed Dakota Joshua on IR. Uh, so, hey, Phil Kessel contract coming? Doesn't it create a roster spot? Oh, no, it doesn't create a roster spot. Excuse me. Because <laughs> Soucy was already on IR, right? I think so. Okay. Grady, you might have fact checked that. Um, someone pointed out in the chat that Frank's not a vibes guy like me. A lot of people aren't vibes guys like me. Just pulling, I can't get over that I pulled seven out of my rear. Just randomly, I was like, yeah, I think uh, it's been seven, and then it was good. actually seven. Just vibes, baby. Just vibes. Um, Yeah, so these roster moves, obviously, uh, you know, there's some cap space created by Susie, all that sort of stuff. Jet Wu, don't know if he'll get into the lineup, but uh, interesting that he got another call-up. I'm thinking this ultimately means that Archie Baines is going to get a continued look, and I would, I would hope it's on that third line. And that was a conversation we had right before Frank, so let's continue that a little bit. I was really impressed with Baines set up Bluger a few times um, at the net front, had a few nice plays along the wall. Obviously there was that play where he kind of batted the puck out of the net, out of the air and got it on goal. And that was a good chance that he created as well. You said it earlier, looked better than Ilya Mikheyev in that spot. Like we both thought he would, uh, he has to stay in. But I'm curious uh, if it's just a rotation now of who's going to be the healthy scratch. And, you know, we saw Sam Lafferty come out of the lineup. Does Lafferty get back in and we see, like, I don't even want to throw Amon's name out there because I think Amon's probably at the top of the list when it comes to guys like PDG, Mikheyev, um, and Lafferty. Like, I don't think you'd take out um, Amon before you take out a guy like PDG or Mikheyev. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what Tockett's going to think. Um, I just hope that. they keep Baines in. I just hope they keep Baines in. Yeah, and like I saw, obviously, it wasn't a perfect um, night. He was minus two, but... You watch those. It was McKayev's fault. fault. It was literally McKayev's fault. Yeah. That's the funny thing is it was it was like Colorado's probably sitting there being like, oh man, rookie making his debut. We're just gonna hard match him against McKinnon because obviously they controlled the matchups, right? And like I said in the Frank interview, the most minutes that Bain spent against any player were the best players on Colorado. It was McKinnon, it was McCarr, it was the best players on Colorado that Baines found himself going up against. And he played well. The minus was literally Ilya Mikheyev's fault. That's the funniest thing I've heard. Great example of why plus minus can be a flawed stat. Yeah, exactly. And I just I, I just think it's hilarious. And again, I'm not trying to rag on Ilya Mikheyev, which I've been accused of doing lately. But it's just funny that you know people are like, oh, Baines was a minus. It was literally Ilya Mikheyev's fault. Baines wasn't even close to the play. Yeah, and I also saw a lot of people saying that he should have shot on that 201. And yeah, probably, but put yourself in his shoes for a second, okay? You're in a two-on-one w- 
rush with Brock Besser. He's one of the top goal scorers in the, in the NHL right now. Plus, as, as Baines, you're already a pass-first guy. Like, that's your best trait. That's your best asset. Is, um, is your ability to connect on difficult passes. You think you're, you're, you're going to look Brock Besser off yeah. and shoot that? You, here, here's another thing. Eli McCam, or excuse me, Eli McCam, I keep bringing his name up. Baines? Baines has, like, watched Brock Besser come to the league. Baines was like, how old was Baines when Brock came into the league and had that rookie year? I Obviously, he was a fan, but I'm pretty sure, wouldn't wouldn't Baines have been, like, 16 or 17? Yeah, 15 years old when Brock broke into the league and had that great rookie year? 2017-18, how old was Archdeep Baines? 2001 birth year. He's a year younger than us, which is funny because I had people pointing out to me, I called him a kid on Twitter. I was like, this kid deserves this. People were like, kid, aren't you the same age? Nope. We're a year older. Almost do the math. He's got an early birthday, January birthday. So he's 16, 16 years old when Brock broke into the league. Like he was a fan of Brock Besser. That's crazy to think about. Anyways. Yeah. So it's like, it's easy for someone on on their couch to say, oh, I should have shot that. And objectively, sure. But in the emotion of this being your NHL debut, You're not gonna You're look not up looking Brock off Brock, Brock Besser. Besser. You that's that's something you don't hear the end about. Like he would not hear the end of that yeah. if he looks off Brock if, Besser. Can you imagine him going back to the bench and he like rips it wide? The look and stare he would get, and then the coaching staff coming over, like, yeah. dude, pass that over to Brock. But it actually turned out like he he redirected it. It actually turned into a half decent scoring chance. Uh, okay, let's get to anyone else. Oh, excuse me. No, we gotta get to the tune-up. You've got some good stuff for the tune-up. Brought to you, as always, by... We're calling it the tune-up again? Oh, shoot. It's under the hood. <laughs> Excuse me. Under the hood. All those people have been pointing out, a tune-up isn't always a bad thing. It just sounds... Yeah, anyways, okay. Yeah. Under the hood, brought to you by Mr. Lube. Yeah, so, of course, Canucks' first three-game losing streak. But one thing I wanted to highlight was just how overall the Canucks, even when they've been scuffling, continue to play really strong 5-on-5 five five hockey. I mean... Since January 1st, they're top five in the league in controlling five and five shot attempts, expected goals, and actual goals. And even if you look at the rough patch since the Bruins game where the Canucks have only won three of their last eight games, they've only been outchanced at five on five in one of those games, which was that Boston won. Um, and it has also translated in the goals department. They're plus five at uh, five on five through the stretch. So that goes to show you all they got to do is fix their special teams because again they've run into this rough patch uh, against some harder opponents um, spending some time on the road but they continue to play some pretty effective five on five uh, hockey which is really encouraging when we um, think about the path for this team moving forward because through the first especially third of the season so many people would look at Vancouver's profile and go oh yeah PDO they're just riding that wave this isn't sustainable at all. They're, this is a complete fluke. They don't actually control play well. Canucks control play really well since the calendar has flipped to 2024. That has not changed in this rough patch that the Canucks have run into. You just got to fix the special teams and get this wagon back rolling. Just like we all thought, the Canucks 5-on-5 five five play would be best in class and their power play would be the thing that's holding them back. That was Under the Hood, brought to you by Mr. Lube, the pioneer of the no-appointment warranty-approved oil change. Now providing appointment-free tire service and sales, find them at one of their 16 locations across the Lower Mainland. To find your nearest location, visit them online at mrlube.com. All right, Harm, 
It's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms apply. Double dash is clutch. You forget something when you make your first order. It's always great to just... What you have a certain allotted time. Yeah, you got like 16 minutes usually to make yourself, you know, to get right. Be like, oh man, I ran out of toothpaste. Uh oh, I'm out of toilet paper. Boom. All in one order, same delivery fee. Good stuff over there at DoorDash. All right, Harm. People are throwing trade targets in the chat for you. Okay, let's go. Sammy Blay, is he a trade target for yes. the Canucks? Yes. Yes. Interesting. You know what? That does seem like the type of player that would potentially be intriguing to this management re- regime. Uh, Blay, he's a fourth-line grinder type, yeah. right? He's physical. He can be a ball of energy. Uh, he is expiring UFA on a relatively cheap cap hit. He did actually show some scoring potential as well last season. I mean, for the most part, like, for example, this season, he only has seven points in 44 games. Uh, but the year before in... 2022-23, he had nine goals and 20 points in 31 games, so uh, could be a decent bottom six fit, potentially, but you also have to weigh, do you want to upgrade your... Uh, like, what's your priority? Is upgrading the depth of your blue line ahead of an extra forward? That's something to keep in mind, but a player like this, I mean, not going to be expensive. Yeah. Um, assuming, of course, that St. Louis would rather trade him than re-sign him um, and considering a playoff style environment where it does become heavier it does become more physical the Canucks aren't the biggest team up front um, and especially like you look at the identity of their uh, fourth line right now for example PDG Oman Mikheyev I don't love the matchup of that against not that they lack ability wise but look at Vegas Vegas fourth line that they've rolled out in years past sometimes where they have like Nick Waugh Keegan quotes are uh, those types of body those types of uh, heavy bodies will carry is always a force in yep. their bottom six so that is something that i think i don't know about blaze specifically but i do think bigger picture i do wonder if management will think about do we want to add another bigger body that may excel in a playoff type environment i'm going to give you the biggest vibes take potentially i've ever given on this show thinking about it in the shower harm just like I do with all my best takes. Grady, you can feel free to clip this because, man, I'm about to deliver you something that I I literally was thinking about this for a while because I keep seeing Chris Tanev's name, right? I keep seeing him in the trade rumors and, oh, familiarity with Quinn Hughes. Do you know who else is in trade rumors right now? Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli is in trade rumors. He was great. Get the band back together. From the last time this team made the playoffs in 2019-20, Jacob Markstrom's available. They don't need Jacob Markstrom. That's a joke. <laughs> but... You, you see guys like Chris Tanev, and look, Frank was just on the show. He said that, yeah, maybe Tanev isn't quite what they need, and you can't worry too much about what other teams are doing if you're the Canucks. Tanev's one name, obviously, but I'm looking at Toffoli. Hell, Tyler Mott should be available. Like, if you call Tampa right now and said, hey, we'll give you a seventh-round pick for Tyler Mott, are they saying no? He's got four I, goals and two assists in 47 games this year. Bad fit. Great fit on Vancouver. Nah, they may be going to the playoffs, though, so they may just want to keep their guys. Mott scored four goals in the bubble playoffs. 
Exactly. I remember yes. that. Mott, I'm just saying, the short get goal the band back together. Silky goals too. Undo everything that Jim Benning did to this team after he dismantled what was the last time this team was in the playoffs. Sure, it wasn't a real playoffs, whatever. Say what you want. Troy Stetcher should be available. Hey, where's Oscar Fantenberg at these days? Oh, I forgot. Louis Deming. Get the baking <laughs> needs covered. Louis Deming. Remember that? That story that Deming told about uh, Benning eating the muffins in the bubble? Deming made muffins and yeah. Benning came oh, down. I there. forgot about that. I remember the baking part, not yeah. the Jim Benning eating the muffins part. Well, yeah. I remember a couple of years back, he was asked about like pregame ritual of what, what he eats and something about like spicy pork and being not the best on the stomach. Yes, giving, that's right. Giving him some pregame issues. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, Logan Van Dyke. No offense to quads here, but PDG proved why you don't bring an Italian into a fist fight against Winnipeg. Kevin Bieksa would disagree in Winnipeg too. That one. Um, I don't know, man. I just, uh, back to this take. I just keep looking at it. I'm like, get the band back together. I know, because that's the thing is when you make trades, you're always worried about rocking the boat, bringing in someone that's not going to mesh well with the room. You're always worried about that. Of course you are. But man, you got, you, you know, Chris Tanev. If you can't get Chris Tanev, if you can't get Chris Tanev, Tyler Foley is a solid consolation prize. The problem with Toffoli oh, that I see. here we go. Problems. Well, here's the thing. I Look, I have a lot of time for Toffoli, and if they hadn't made the Lindholm move yet, I would be saying, please bring me Tyler Toffoli uh, with the devil sliding into the playoff race. But he's a slower forward, and I don't think the Canucks need another slower forward who plays a sort of supporting style. Because you look at their top six right now, they have enough supporting-type finishers. They have Besser. They have Lindholm, who doesn't really drive play, at least from what we've seen yeah, so far yeah. this year. Um, if you were to add to this top six, which is going to be hard to do, especially when you factor in cap space, uh, acquisition cost, all of those factors, it, it would be more of like a speedy type. I think somebody who can actually drive play, create chances on their own, because right now, again, I, I even with Lindholm in the fold right now, I look at the top six and I say, there's a lot of talent on paper, but if, Pedersen or Miller aren't going. It feels like that entire line can't produce because Lindholm's reliant on Pedersen to create chances and Besser's reliant on um, Miller to create chances. I mean, Besser even joked about it on Spit and Chicklets that um, so much of his goal scoring has been from JT being one of the best playmakers um, in the NHL down low. That's true. So I don't know if you want to add another slow um, complimentary type winger considering how expensive it would be to acquire Brad in the chat stop <laughs> with the desire to keep bringing back former Canucks hey but Brad's on the Lawson Kraus train good on you Brad we need more people doing yeah I like that. Lawson Kraus probably not going to be get moved by Arizona unfortunately yeah. probably but. not but they are no longer sniffing that wild card spot so who knows who was on that bubble team that you can stop. bring back stop <laughs> Travis Green, Jordy Ben, <laughs> Jordy Ben, Zach McEwen, Michael Furland. No, he didn't play. He played the first game or two against the Wild, oh. and then was shut down again. Ashton Sautner. All right, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Um, yeah, Ollie Olevi. Where is he at? Ollie Olevi. That's Remember right. People he made were his like debut. clipping his breakout passes. Like, oh, look at this! Kinda Snapped like it from the D zone through the neutral zone. Kind of <laughs> like they are with Tom Willander right now. Hey. Oh. Just saying, we're getting Ooh. all the clips. We're getting all the clips. <laughs> I'm just no, no. That's just how we. That's just how we cover prospects uh, in the city. And when I say we, I quite literally mean we. I mean Canucks Army. We're the ones. It's always it was Faber back then, and now it's Dave Hall. Just clipping breakout passes. The yeah, best. I mean, the people in the, the market people want love it. This the coverage. people want it. They want it. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, now people are questioning if BX is Italian. Yes. I mom, didn't know he was Italian. Yeah, his mom works in a deli. Did, did you not know this? No. Yeah, his mom's Italian. BX also, just screams Italian. Not to, say, not to say that only Italians can work in delis. Italians can do lots <laughs> yeah, of things. Yeah, what does But she does. She just so happens to work in a deli. Just like my mom and her mom and her mom. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Not all Italians work in delis. I'm going to walk into the deli and just be like, are you Italian to everybody in there? Yeah. They're, they're like, no. You're like, do you have anybody who is? <laughs> Anyways. Do you know Quadrelli? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you go to North Burnaby delis. There's a good chance. Anyways. Um, all right. Let's see. There's other stuff in uh, anyone else here I wanted to get to. Uh, okay. How many losses out of 10 before we see an angry Miller again from Jesse C? I think if they lose to Boston, you see angry Miller. Depending on how they lose. That's the thing. We keep saying, oh, if they lose, if they lose. If you're losing in embarrassing fashion, you're like, okay, we're doing the right things. Like, the Colorado game is a prime example. All the odds were stacked against the Canucks in that game, blah, blah, blah. You know, the high-altitude stuff that was brought up yesterday. Uh, My take yesterday was that you couldn't lose, and you definitely couldn't lose in embarrassing fashion. The way they lost yesterday, I got no problems with it. It's just like with Elias Patterson. I got no problems with how Elias Patterson played yesterday, even though he didn't put up the points. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna sit here and try and predict when JT Miller's gonna have a <laughs> have a meltdown. Have a meltdown. I mean, he's been pretty okay about it this year. I mean, yeah. they haven't even had, of course, most importantly, many situations to be frustrated about. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna try and predict that. I'm gonna say three. <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay. Yeah, people are talking about the power play, double clutching on the power play. Yeah, parade routes. <laughs> Are we canceling the parade? Absolutely not. Yeah, okay. Well, let's see. Is there anyone else? Anything else? I don't want to miss, because, you know, I get these sometimes. People message me and be like, hey, I've put in anyone else's and you don't read them. I'm trying to get to everybody. We've got a few here. Uh, RP88's making fun of us, I think, for our Baines coverage. Did you see Baines drink a juice box on the bench? (laughs) What kind of juice do you think it was? Well, I mean, yeah, you grade a guy on the curve and it's his first NHL game. Yeah, that was a great great NHL game. It was good. All right. Yeah, and this one, Alec Taylor, we'll close on this one. Obviously, he's got to earn it, but what do you think the chemistry could be like with Baines on the Miller-Besser line? This, This is the thing that I actually want to talk about is not necessarily... Him right away on that line. Let's kind of gloss over that question. But what I wanted to actually bring up is that, first of all, kudos to the development staff out now. It's for, for, you know, morphing this guy into a player who can play at the NHL level and play for Rick Tockett immediately. Like, there's no feeling out process. Also, I thought it put into perspective just how bad Linus Carlson is, right? Like, I shouldn't say that. That's really rude. But, you know, like, Baines gets one shot. Linus Carlson's had I don't know how many shots now. And it's just like, he, he went and seized it immediately. And Linus Carlson just hasn't done that. And I, I don't want this to turn into an anti-Carlson thing. I'm just saying to put into perspective how impressive what Baines did. Like, imagine if you put Linus Carlson up against Nathan McKinnon and Kel McCarr in his 12th game in the NHL, whatever, how many, however many he's played at this point. And I don't want to be anti-Linus Carlson. I, I sound really mean toward Linus Carlson right now. I'm just trying to illustrate how impressive it was what Baines did yesterday and how I hope he gets another chance. You actually it, noticed Baines... As opposed exactly. to Carlson. Yeah. I just was existing. Yeah. I have one memory of Carlson winning a puck battle in a game against Calgary. Maybe it was Zadorov's first game back. And other than that, I do not have many memories of Carlson making plays, good or bad. Well, it was like last night, Shorty was talking about McKayev and he got in on the forecheck and like beat the defender to the puck. And I was just thinking, like, that's where we're at right now with Ilya McKayev's 
you praise the guy because he's able to get in on the four check. At least he did something good. There was something from, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, there was something from uh, someone higher in the chat, and they were talking about Mikheyev. They said it's not unfair to, or not unfair was not the word they used. They said it's not crazy to expect that Mikheyev's going to have a better year next year. And in the context of recovering from the surgery that he had and getting his legs really under him, I feel like the end of this season in the playoffs, wherever, can really benefit him toward getting back to a point where he's like a serviceable, at least middle six winger next season. Likely, you hope so. But then you also have situations where Antoine Roussel, for example, never got the pot back in mm. his uh, skating. That's a good point. So, tough you to hope, say. You, you hope, hope that doesn't I, I think happen. It, like, so, odds are he will be better next year than he is now. But there is still a chance that this may just be who he is now. Yeah. Uh, I am you, big doggy. If you go back quickly. Just, I just you, said I am big doggy because I read the guy's name and Grady interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back to his time in Toronto, like what we're seeing right now is not too dissimilar. A guy that struggled to stay healthy, a guy that struggled to finish. And when he was moved up higher in the lineup, you really saw him kind of be exposed. And, you know, the speed is great and all, but if you can't, if you can't finish, you know, tap-ins, if you can't, get around guys and create offense it's it kind of goes to waste nick p linus carlson is catching strays here yes he is catching strays i didn't mean for that to happen and i am big doggy it was what i was trying to read <laughs> said what kind of name is that dude some one day someone's just gonna put like an offside username and you're gonna go full ron burgundy well i've, I've I, there's been a few in in recent not recent shows but like in past shows where I just gloss over it or I like shorten their name and they're like, that's not my name. I'm like, I know it's not you. <laughs> so who's that from again? Uh, I am big doggy. I am big doggy said. I can't even... It's a good point. Bluger is kind of on a scoring slump. Is it something to worry about? I think it's something to worry about because he couldn't finish those sweet fet- setups from Archdeep Baines. And someone said the uh, Archdeep Baines train is rolling. And I am big doggy has informed us he made his username when he was 12. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> Next show, Quads is going to give us some of his old Hotmail accounts. I am Big Doggy. Didn't realize it was still this. <laughs> well, okay. So my first Twitter handle was um, HDialKDFan because I made it when I was Oh, 15. hell yeah. Mine because... was Sicilian Miracle. That was my first Twitter name. Yeah, I just love Kevin Durant. Big KD fan, 13-year-old. Yeah, time. I had to change it. Uh in like i wish you kept it as that how funny would it be if like all the vancouver media members still had their first (laughs) names like people had to tag you it's like yeah here are the canucks lines per h h dial kd fan 13 (laughs) yeah oh man um sorry the question was about bluger (laughs) yeah so i mean i'm not worried this is kind of who bluger is he's going to produce in ebbs and flows because he's not a particularly great finisher and if you remember when that line was first put together, Bluger, Garland, Joshua, Bluger created a ton of scoring chances. And we would joke that uh, watching that PDO regression is just watching that Bluger line create a million chances per game and never scoring. So it's going to happen. And at some point, he was going to cool off because I'm trying to look it up right now. Bluger's. Sorry, there's sirens in the background. Cops just ripped by the studio. Yeah, they missed they, us. They heard too many. I am big doggy. Yeah, they're coming <laughs> for I am big doggy. <laughs> they're worried. But his career high is 28 points. 
he's already at 22 and 44. He's bound to slow down at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want him to start finishing those. No, to, no, Dakota Joshua too. Yeah, probably has something. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, let's get to Casey from Greta. We'll get to Betway after Grady. Let's get to Casey. Uh, Casey from Greta. Who, Casey? Are you going to be at our watch party tomorrow? Because folks, the watch party's tomorrow. Uh, you can get your tickets at NationGear.ca. Tickets are just ten dollars, and there's so much good stuff that's going to be happening tomorrow. Casey, will you be there? I will be there. Yeah, flying Fantastic. in, flying in in the morning, just just for you guys. Where are you flying in from? From Calgary, sadly, I'm a, Cal- I'm a Calgary citizen, but I I like to say the day we opened Greta Vancouver, I became a Canucks supporter. Hell yeah, uh, that's amazing! So it's my way of getting away with being a supporter of all the cities, and uh, we're opening in Toronto in the, in April, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to be a Leaf supporter too, I guess. But that's uh, amazing. It's been fun to watch this year, that's for sure. And uh, and I'm born and raised Edmonton guy, so that, you know, started the year rough for uh, being an Edmonton guy, but. You know, when you guys are talking parade route, I'm just like, hey, as long as it come down, comes down Cordova, I'll be a happy guy. There you go. And Cordova is going to be where we are tomorrow. What can people expect at Greta? I think the biggest thing, I mean, we had one at the start of the year that uh, was the second game of the year uh, when uh, Vancouver went and crushed Edmonton in, in Edmonton. And it was it was a packed house uh, on a Saturday night. It was uh, a little bit more of a mixture of our, our regular Saturday plus plus the hockey crowd. Whereas tomorrow night, I think it'll be a true hockey crowd, big hockey fans. Uh, the back bar area. We bring in TVs for it. We got all our projectors. We got we got lots going on. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a highlight of 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 you know when it comes to sports. It's our big highlight to to do these games three or four times a year with you guys. And there was a balloon arch last time, so I wasn't there. I obviously oh, yeah. you'd probably know that because you were there. I was in Edmonton covering the game, so this is gonna be my first one. Harmon and I are both gonna be there. Har- you were in Edmonton with I me, was, yeah. so Harmon and I were both in Edmonton for the first one. But we will be at this one. I saw a balloon arch at the last one. I'm excited for this event. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, what's the number one game at Greta Bar YVR in Vancouver? What should people be looking to go play as soon as they get there? As soon as they get there, I mean, it's it's truly all over the map. But I mean, when you walk into a Greta, you almost always get hit with Mario Kart. So you know, we have the four Mario Karts, and then I mean, I'm partial to the basketball. Greta Vancouver is fun in the sense that the basketball backs onto our dance floor. So every once in a while, you you might you might get a, a big long rebound that you can't cover, and it goes hit hit someone in the head, which is too bad. We changed that for Toronto, <laughs> but uh, those are my two that I'm partial to. But we got we got a brand new air hockey, you know, for all the hockey fans. I'll warn you guys, it makes a ear piercing sound. I, I don't know why they chose to do that, but um, I am big doggy would love it. I'm sure uh, <laughs> he'd, he'd, have, he'd have a good time. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be joining us if he's if he's past uh, 19 years old now, because uh, you do have to be uh, of legal drinking age in order to join us. But yeah, I mean it should be a good time. Lots of hockey fans. I know there's a couple tickets still left. Um, but yeah, I mean, prizes, giveaways, a, a ton of Canucks fans, a couple people like myself who try and play on the fence a little bit and, uh, should be a good game. Okay. So I have to just tell everybody, I will dust you all at basketball and Mario Kart. No problem. And maybe air hockey, air hockey is not my best game, but oh, man, do you remember our ping pong tournament that I we do, had? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyways. Uh, yeah, you I'll dust every your bubble, your like bubble hockey lead. skills. Bubble hockey is the big one. When we opened Greta Edmonton, Ooh. I had my good buddy, Paul Bizanet come join us and, that was his big claim to fame for a long time as he came and he dusted everybody and but I he did eventually lose. He just doesn't tell people that. But he went on a nine and nine in a row run and then when we had the spinning chicklets guys in they they went on a big run too. So I think you guys gotta you guys gotta be better at bubble hockey than those guys, I hope. Yeah, I'll be I'll be good. I'll be good at most of the games. I'm very competitive. So hopefully I actually remember to actually watch the games. Uh, but folks, you can go get your tickets now at nationgear.ca. It's under the events tab under Canucks Army. You can go get it. just ten dollars gets you in the door tomorrow on Thursday. It's going to be a good time. Casey, thanks so much for doing this and we will see you tomorrow. 
Awesome. See you tomorrow, guys. Thanks so much. All right. And there was Casey from Greta. They're opening a new location in Toronto, but you don't have to go to Toronto to enjoy Greta. You can come to Vancouver tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's tomorrow. I'm so excited. It's going to be a lot of fun, Harmon. We're obviously going to be emceeing. Uh, Wyatt, the stanchion art is going to be there. Uh, we're going to have Lachlan there. We're going to have a few different uh, Grady's coming as well. We've got Sakarison Price coming. It's going to be a really good time. Uh, I'm really, really excited. It's going to be so fun. You get swag at the door. There's going to be a lot of stuff, a lot of giveaways, a lot of fun stuff uh, throughout the night. And I really hope I am big doggy comes out. I am big doggy. If you're watching this, please come out and introduce yourself. Just walk up to one of us and say, I am big doggy. And then just walk away. Now we're going to have multiple people just walking up to us. We're going to have a few people <laughs> claiming they are. I am big doggy. And we're going to have to, we're going to have to ID you. You're going to have to pull out some government issued ID that says I am big doggy. All right. Everyone. People showing up gotta come with a hello. My name is and put your YouTube handle. Well, I, I it's fun because the we had one a couple of years ago as well. Um, not at Greta, but we had one where people came up to me and they're like, "Oh, I'm this person from the YouTube chat, or I'm this person on Twitter, and I know some of them." And one person was like a huge hater, like one of my number one reply guys. And he came up to me, he's like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I give you so much crap on Twitter." I'm like, "It's all good, man." And then I went back and looked. It's not all good. He's so mean. I went and looked at what he actually said. He was he was Dude, awful. I remember one training camp. I think it was or no, it was it wasn't training camp. It was the first time in recent years, not this past fall, the one before, where the Canucks came back to young stars. Yeah. And I remember um one guy really wanted a picture with Drance. Uh me and Drance. But especially Drance. Yeah. And then um I think he'd mentioned, yeah, I, I give you a hard time sometimes, but it was just like super fanboying. Yeah. And then finds out, his, like, I think we, Trent said I found out his Twitter handle, Twitter handle later. And if you just, like, search search it with, like, Trance in it, it's just, like, the guy calling Trance an idiot a bunch of times. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, my God. I need a photo with this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that happened. He, was, he came in and he was like, yeah, sorry, I give you so much crap on Twitter. I'm this handle. And I was like, oh, it's all good, man. And then I was curious after, so I remembered and I, like, looked it up. It was not all good. That guy was so mean. He was so mean to me. Are you saying people like to hide behind their computer screens and talk a bunch of crap when they don't have their name and picture attached to them? It's well, weird. now you're challenging. Someone's gonna, someone's works. gonna show up tomorrow and be like, "I hate you online, and I hate you in real life." As well. <laughs> hey, at least at least they're uh, consistent with it. Yeah, at least they bought a ticket to the event. So yeah. buy your tickets, folks. Uh, NationGear.ca. Whether you love us or hate us, we're happy to have you, and I'm happy to dust you in basketball. You know what? That's the thing. If anybody is a true hater tomorrow, you can come to Greta. I'll, I'll play you in basketball and you can have infinite bragging rights. How often do you get that? Someone you hate online, you get infinite bragging rights if you can beat me in the basketball shooting. I'm also talking up my basketball skills a little there, too much. There's got to be a bet behind this. Like an actual, <laughs> actual stage. I'm good, I'm good at that. I'm good at it. And when the hoop starts moving, my eyes start moving. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Anyways. <laughs> the, the arcade basketball is better for people my height. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Oh, our bet way better the day. I almost forgot. Let's get to it. Uh, long show today. We're not expecting this, but uh, we'll be remote tomorrow. Um, and then, like I said, I said this on the last show. I'm gonna say it again. Next week, Irfan Gafar is in my chair all week long as I have to go uh, cover Canucks practice and morning skates. Jeff Patterson filling in on Secure's Press. Let's get to our bet way better the day. Brought to you by our friends over at Betway. Folks, get it now before they sign Matt Chapman. A ten dollar bet on the Seattle oh. Mariners to win the World Series at plus twenty two hundred odds returns you $230 over at Betway. Must be 90 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. So maybe don't bet on the Mariners to win the World Series. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to burn $10, (laughs) 
there are there's a lot of fun ways to burn ten dollars, including the Greta. Yes, spend it on the event. That's right. Yeah, that that's also. I don't think this is the smartest I, or wisest I, I, decision. I, in all seriousness, I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally against putting something down on this because right now I think the Mariners are still going to do stuff in their off season. I still think they have stuff to do, and then by then the odds are going to shoot up. So get them while they're hot, folks. Get them while they're hot, Seattle Mariners, to win the 2024 World Series first games tomorrow. What's the last time they oh, made the playoffs? Two years ago. They okay, just they missed did. it by like a game this past year. Why do you got to bring that up? Right. Why do you got to bring that like up? Every year, I don't follow baseball that closely, but every year, midseason, it's like, oh, Seattle's in a playoff spot. Nope. And then they choke down the stretch. The Mariners, and... how long? I think the Mariners went like 21 years without a playoff berth. And they weren't even in the conversation in those years. So the wild card, new rules. Anyways, we're not going to talk baseball. We got to go. We uh, almost made it through the full episode without <laughs> bringing it baseball into it yeah we gotta go we gotta get out of here folks uh for my co-host harman dial and checking producer grady sass my name is david come to the watch party thanks for watching another episode of canucks conversation canucks conversation with harman and quads brought to you by the toyota bz4x the bz4x is fresh look is just an added bonus to its range since you can drive up to 406 kilometers on a single charge that's enough to get you from kitsilano to whistler or kamloops to Kelowna and back and still be home in time for the game now that's what we'd call electric the best part by choosing electric you can get up to eleven thousand dollars in rebates and incentives the bz4x are in stock and selling quickly so make sure to visit shoptoyota.ca or your local pacific toyota dealer to get your hands on one canucks conversation is live monday through friday every weekday at 2 p.m over on the canucks army youtube channel make sure you like subscribe and interact in the youtube live chat every day with us folks Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 